0: Michael Bloomberg is hit with a tsunami of opposition research. Democrats freak out over the continuing insanity of the Bernie campaign. And Barack Obama leaves Joe Biden out to dry. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Today's Ben Shapiro Show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Your online activity shouldn't be public. Protect yourself at ExpressVPN.com. Slash Ben. I hope you had a wonderful President's Day. Shouldn't be President's Day. It should be George Washington's birthday. Why would we possibly be celebrating James Buchanan or Jimmy Carter? Why would those be things? Woodrow Wilson. If President Bernie Sanders were a thing, why should we have a day for Bernie Sanders? President's Day is about George Washington, the greatest of all American presidents. But let's move on to the Democratic primaries, where it looks like an open communist may, in fact, become... the Democratic nominee. There are some new polls out of Nevada. There's also a brand new national poll, both of them showing Bernie Sanders in the lead. So we begin with this poll out of Nevada. The Nevada poll is done by a Democratic polling group called Data for Progress. Apparently, they have a fairly good record in predicting these things, and they have Sanders way the hell out ahead, like way ahead. Sanders up 19 points in this Data for Progress poll. And then the rest of the Democratic candidates all clustered in within a one or two point margin. You've got Warren at 16, Judge at 15, and Biden at 14. Now, Biden basically needs to finish second here. If Biden finishes third, he's going to continue to slide in South Carolina. If he finishes second, he can say, my candidacy is a little more durable than at least it appears to outsiders. And therefore, he's going to go on, he's going to win in South Carolina, and then his campaign will be just fine. That's the, the basic idea here. But the fact remains that Joe Biden has been sliding and he has been sliding quite badly. Now, The great hope for Biden is that he does well among Nevada Hispanic Democratic voters. There's a new Telemundo poll out of Nevada Democratic Hispanic voters. It's got Biden at 34, Bernie at 31, and then Buttigieg, Warren, and Klobuchar all in single digits. So way the hell ahead, Biden and Bernie. Bernie showing strong in Hispanic Nevada caucuses. Also, presumably, Bernie is rising in a lot of the minority polls in places like South Carolina, which brings us to the national polls. So there is a new national poll out. And the national poll shows that Bernie Sanders is up double digits, up double digits over the rest of the field. And bad news for Joe Biden, who has been collapsing nationally in front of Bernie Sanders in second place, according to this new national poll. Believe it or not, is Michael Bloomberg. This is an NPR Marist poll. It's showing Bernie at 31, Bloomberg at 19, Biden at 15, Warren at 12, and Klobuchar at 9. Now, there are a couple things about this poll that are worthy of note. First off, It demonstrates that nobody cares about Pete Buttigieg, right? Buttigieg is not even on the screen in that NPR Marist national poll. So for all of the talk about Pete Buttigieg, he is a non-factor. And this has been the reality for Pete Buttigieg nationally. The man did well in Iowa. He did well in New Hampshire. And no one cares about him. He has never surpassed, I believe, 14% in a national poll. He has never had the kind of momentum that would propel him to a nomination. And in the last couple of polls, he is actually down in fifth place, fifth place in the national polling. That's according to the Economist YouGov poll that has Sanders over Biden by 4%. That one is from February 11th. And then the brand new NPR PBS Marist poll has Sanders way the hell out ahead in front of Joe Biden at 15, Bloomberg at 19, Warren at 12, Buttigieg at 8. Okay, so Buttigieg is a non-factor nationally. Klobuchar is a non-factor nationally. Basically, this is now a three-person race. This is Bloomberg, Biden and Sanders. And the question is going to be whether Biden completely fades in Nevada and falls apart and then Bloomberg supplants him on Super Tuesday because if Biden does not win South Carolina, he is toast. He must win South Carolina. You cannot keep finishing second as the former vice president of the United States with heavy support going in, leading every national poll and leading in a lot of the polling in Iowa and New Hampshire and then show as weak as Biden has done on the actual ground and hope to continue in this race. Not while Michael Bloomberg is out there spending hundreds of millions of dollars on advertising. We'll get to Michael Bloomberg in just a minute here. Okay, but there's another thing about this poll that is telling. And it's not just Biden's slide, which has been ongoing for a while. It's not just Bloomberg's rise, which has also been ongoing for a while. Mike Bloomberg, I mean, if you watch Hulu, if you watch any, if you watch YouTube, if you watch any place that allows ads, you're very, very likely to see a Michael Bloomberg ad. I believe I have personally seen three or four Michael Bloomberg ads at this point. I don't think I've seen any ad from any other candidate. It's just been Michael Bloomberg ads. The man is spending an enormous amount of money and he is getting tremendous earned media as well because of this media rise that he has seen in terms, of, in terms of the polling. But the big story in that NPR-PBS Marist poll is Bernie showing above 30. That is a major thing because one of the sort of presuppositions was that Bernie would not be able to consolidate support such that he gets to 50% in any of these primaries. Remember, the Democratic Party primaries are proportional in representation, not like the Republicans. It's not a winner-take-all system. So if Bernie wins 25 and Bloomberg wins 23 in a state... Well, that means that they're basically going to split the delegates evenly. That's a big problem for Bernie if he wishes to win the the nomination on the first ballot. Now, it's my belief that if Bernie walks into the, into the nominating convention with the most delegates, even if he does not have a majority, if he has a plurality of the delegates, it's going to be very difficult for the Democratic Party higher echelon not to give Bernie the nomination because his people are also the most likely to walk away from the convention and simply say, we're not going to vote for whomever the alternative Democratic nominee is. With that said, Bernie starting to pick up some of these consolidating votes, right? Bernie up at 31%. That means that Biden plus Bloomberg, right, which is the quote-unquote moderate wing of the party, they're only polling in that NPR-PBS Marist poll at a combined 34%. Bernie is at 31, which demonstrates a fair bit of durability for the Bernie Sanders campaign, which has got to be scaring the living hell out of the Democratic Party upper echelon. Because again, they look... At, at Bernie and they say this guy there's there's no way that this guy can win a national election. I mean, his campaign for all the talk about how his campaign is drawing these huge crowds. And it is he's in Tacoma, Washington yesterday. He drew, he drew 17000 people to see an old commie talk to them about nostrums from the 1930s. I mean, it's an incredible number. 17. 000, I mean, he's drawing Trump like crowds. Those are huge crowds. 17000 people in Tacoma, Washington. And he's going to basically run on the same platform that Trump did, which is I'm building a movement. I'm going to bring in new voters now. What the, what the Trump team is, got wrong about 2016 is that it really was not about quote-unquote building movement. If you actually look at the numbers, Joe, uh, Donald Trump performed exactly, I mean exactly, like every Republican nominee since about 2000. He performed like George W. in 2000 and 2004. He performed like John McCain in 2008. He performed like Mitt Romney in 2012. He was separated by at most a point or two in all of the key swing states. The big deal was not that Trump mobilized a new party base. The big deal is that nobody showed up to vote for Hillary Clinton. Well, Bernie seems to be making the same mistake. He thinks he's going to turn out this whole new base. But the problem is there are going to be a lot of people who do not show up to vote for Bernie specifically because he is so radical. I think the party's upper echelon understands this. James Carville, of course, has made this absolutely clear. And this is why right now the big question is, does Joe Biden undergo that final fate? And do we end up with Michael Bloomberg picking that up? You can see the angst. I mean, the angst inside the Democratic Party is truly astonishing at this point. We're going to get to this in one second. First. Let us talk about cowboy boots. Now, you look at me. Do I look like a cowboy to you? I know that. No, I do not look like a cowboy to you. I'm about as urban a Jew as it is possible to be. And yet, I do love cowboy boots. I do love them. Now, there's only one problem. It looks garish and ridiculous for me to be wearing the cowboy boots that have, you know, all of the stitching on them. Looks like I'm going to go to a rodeo or something. That's not my look. Okay, it's inauthentic. But I will tell you about a great pair of cowboy boots, supremely comfortable, and They look good on somebody like me. And they'll look good on YouTube because they look good on everybody. I mean, they're subtle. They're awesome. They're comfortable. And I can even pop my jeans over the top of the cowboy boots. And they basically look like hush puppies. I mean, they're just fantastic. Tacovas cowboy boots are handmade with high quality full grain leather by world class bootmakers. It's Tacovas. They're built to be comfortable right out of the box for every occasion at home, in the office, out on the town, with tons of timeless styles. Tacovas are designed to be as fashionable 50 years from now as they are today. And they're really subtle. They're really great. They're not loud in any way. Tacovas cuts out the middleman, sells direct to you at an honest price that is truly amazing for this level of quality. You know, boots are extraordinarily versatile. Right? You can wear them in so many situations. You can wear them on the job site. You can wear them when you are out on the town. You can wear them to the office. These boots do it all for you. They really are a one-stop shop for you. Plus, shipping, returns, exchanges, free and easy. In addition to cowboy boots, Takovas makes leather duffels, men's jeans, belts, billfolds, card cases, and more. Everything you get from tacovas comes with the same calculated approach and quality standards that hold true to everything they do. So my, my wife, one time I brought home this pair of cowboy boots, and she was like, there's no way you are ever wearing these Ever, ever, ever. I brought home Takovas, and she's like, okay, you're allowed to wear those. Do what I did. Get yourself a pair of Takovas cowboy boots today at Tekovas.com slash Ben. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com slash Ben. Ladies, makes a great gift for your husband. T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com slash Ben. Tecovas.com slash Ben. Again, that's Tekovas.com slash Ben. Great looking boots. Go check them out right now. Okay, so as I say, The Democratic Party is trying desperately to either revive Joe Biden's campaign or get him out of the way. And these two things are mutually exclusive. On the one hand, they want Joe Biden to stick in the race to stop Bernie. On the other hand, if Joe Biden is collapsing, they want him out as fast as possible, which is basically why it is South Carolina or bust. If he does not win South Carolina where Bloomberg is not on the ballot, Joe Biden is toast. His candidacy is over. He can go home Good night. It means he has not won, presumably, a single delegate for the ninth straight race where he's run for president. I mean, talk about a lackluster candidate. Unbelievable. Yeah, no malarkey. Uh, Apparently, according to Greg Schultz, Biden's campaign manager, he convened a conference call with supporters on Friday afternoon to outline a path forward following two bruising losses in Iowa and New Hampshire. This is The New York Times reporting. The campaign, Mr. Schultz made clear on the call, was banking on finishing in at least second place in the upcoming Nevada caucuses, a contest that will offer the first major test of Biden's assertion he can uniquely assemble a diverse coalition. Left unsaid, Nevada will also show whether Biden, the former VP, can revive his campaign after his first two finishes since his national poll numbers plummeting, put his donors on edge and jeopardize his standing even in his perceived firewall state of South Carolina. Schultz said first would be wonderful, but us getting a second place, I think, does the work we need to do to win South Carolina. We win South Carolina. We're going to have ended the first four contests likely with a delegate advantage. He says, I think the Democratic Party will sigh a collective sigh of relief when he finished second or better in Nevada. These caucuses are happening on Saturday. There is a debate before that, and the big story debate is not going to be Joe Biden. According to Megan Jones, political strategist in the state who worked for the execrable Harry Reid, she says, Biden's ground game has been here a while, had staff here for a long time. Similar to Iowa, they took things for granted that he was the front runner. They did a 99% name ID. They've been quickly making up for lost time because they know now it's a make or break situation. Apparently, Biden's campaign has redeployed staff from later voting Super Tuesday states to lend extra manpower in Nevada. He does need a strong showing in Nevada or he is finished. And you can see the Democratic columnist freaking out because they understand now that Joe Biden may have actually prevented a better moderate from Changing the race, David Leonhardt, who used to be a reporter over at the New York Times, now just writes these bad opinion columns. He has a piece today titled, Did Biden Scare Off Our Next President? He says, imagine the race if other Democrats had not overreacted. He says, last year, a different version of the scenario happened. That was in 2016, right? In 2016, everybody stayed out because they thought Hillary would get the nomination. He said, last year, a different version of this scenario happened, this time in the moderate wing of the Democratic Party. Mitch Landrieu, Deval Patrick, Michael Bloomberg skipped the race, at least initially, much as Clinton had scared off potential candidates in 2016. Biden did so in 2020. By now, the lesson from this history should be plain. If you want to be president and you have an opportunity to run, you shouldn't let another candidate keep you from running in the primaries. With the current campaign mired in uncertainty, I think some Democrats and pundits are missing this lesson. Instead, it's become common to talk about the damage that Biden supposedly did to this field. He says the early voting suggests this analysis is more wrong than right. The problem wasn't Biden. It was the way other Democrats overreacted to him. They believed that he would basically run the field and it would be over until nobody jumped in. And that, of course, is true. Meanwhile, you have Eugene Robinson over at The Washington Post similarly complaining that the Democrats are attacking each other and finishing themselves off early. He says somebody eventually is going to win the Democratic nomination if the candidates are sincere when they say this is the most important election of our lifetimes and ousting Trump must be a top priority. How does it make sense to generate so much fodder for Trump campaign ads in the fall? So he's freaking out because the Democrats are all attacking each other and ruining each other. Now, the real reason Democrats are attacking each other and ruining each other is because Bernie Sanders is a bleep show of a candidate. He truly is. Now, that doesn't mean he can't win. I would say right now he has about a 40% shot of being president of the United States, Bernie Sanders. I mean, if he were up against Trump, I, I would give Trump 60-40 odds to beat Sanders in a general election matchup. But 40% ain't bad. Right? For an octogenarian communist who's been useless for six decades, living off the government teat, that's a pretty solid pretty solid shot of being president of the United States. But the chaos in the Sanders campaign and at his events none of this shows particularly well on TV. So, For example, there was a brawl that broke out at a Bernie Sanders rally in Colorado. According to CBS Local, a fight broke out in the middle of the Bernie Sanders rally on Sunday evening at the Colorado Convention Center. The Democratic presidential candidate rallied thousands of supporters in Denver in a campaign stop before the March 3rd Colorado primary. CBS 4's news camera was capturing video of the event when two men began fighting. Apparently, they pushed through a metal barrier and they grappled with each other. One man knocked the other down onto the ground after lifting him up. It was good times at this Bernie Sanders rally. Eventually, it was broken up. But here's a little bit of that video. Boom, pile driver. So that's good stuff happening at the Bernie Sanders rally. Okay, hey, meanwhile, at another Bernie Sanders rally, topless protesters who were Bernie supporters showed up at Bernie's rally. So two women took off their shirts. And shockingly, they still weren't the biggest boobs on the stage because Bernie was up there. In any case, here was, here was Bernie Sanders being interrupted by topless women. ...who are shouting about animal rights while pouring liquid upon themselves.
1: I'm here to ask you to stop propping up the dairy industry... ...and to stop propping up animal agriculture. I believe in you.
0: And there are the topless women showing up right there. Pouring liquid on themselves. Which is a look right there. This is Nevada.
1: There's always a little bit of excitement.
0: Yeah, most excited Bernie's been for, for a while. In any case, th- this is his campaign, okay? Because his campaign, they are Bernie supporters, right? They weren't there to protest Bernie. They like Bernie. They opened up their little statement about how much they like Bernie. Right? Bernie's their guy, okay? Because Bernie is a radical. Here, here is the problem. Bernie Sanders' campaign is filled with crazy people. I mean, really, not everybody who votes for Bernie is going to be crazy. There are lots of people who are not crazy who are voting for Bernie. I know some people who are going to vote for Bernie. I mean, I may think that their politics are crazy, but they're not crazy, but... All the crazy people are supporting Bernie Sanders. I mean, not everybody who supports Bernie is crazy. All the crazy people are supporting Bernie Sanders. OK, and, and so the Democratic Party looks at that and they go, this is this is nuts. And Sanders trying to change his image is a complete fail. Sanders released an ad. I mean, this is just insulting bullcrap. And I really had to stop myself there. Bernie released an ad in which he says he is proud to be Jewish. And then he juxtaposes this with Charlottesville. Okay, Bernie trying to play on his ethnically Jewish roots while being a lifelong agnostic who recently has suggested that he has found religion again, meanwhile, surrounding himself with blatant, vicious anti-Semites who campaign for him, like Ilhan Omar and Linda Sarsour and Rashida Tlaib. Spare me. Spare me. I don't want to hear about Bernie being proud to be Jewish, unless I'm also going to hear about Noam Chomsky being proud to be Jewish. It turns out there are a lot of Jews, people who are ethnically Jewish, who don't give two craps about Judaism, who are perfectly willing to put the state of Israel in a dangerous international position and to support anti-Semitism around the world so long as it services their broader goals. Bernie is one of these people for him to pretend that he is, quote unquote, proud to be Jewish in any serious way, proud to be Jewish. How and for what reason exactly? So Bernie cut this ridiculous ad.
1: My father's family was wiped out by Hitler in the Holocaust. I know about what crazy and radical and extremist politics mean. I learned that lesson as a tiny, tiny child when my mother would take me shopping and we would see people working in stores who had numbers on their arms because they were in Hitler's concentration camp. I am very proud of being Jewish and that is an essential part of who I am as a human being. What we are seeing right now, we're seeing it in America, we're seeing it all over the world a rise in
0: anti-Semitism. Weird, Bernie. Then why are you campaigning with open anti-Semites? And anytime he'd like to disassociate from Linda Sarsour and Jeremy Corbyn and and all of the rest of the anti-Semitic left, anytime he wants to do that, I'm perfectly willing to hear it. Anytime now. What's that deafening silence? Oh, yeah, that's that's Bernie. My favorite part of that is where he's, he's they're showing video of the of the Nazi concentration camps and and, and the Holocaust. And he says that he understands the the dangers of vicious radical politics. Really, does he? Because um, he was campaigning, he was like out there shirtless in the Soviet Union in 1987. So um, I'm, I'm not sure he he understands it. I, I'm really not sure. By the way, Soviets not famous for their wonderful treatment of the Jews. I don't remember Bernie being a loud and proud supporter of Jewish immigration from the Soviet Union, which was a major cause, by the way, in the 1970s and early 1980s. And because this kind of stuff is ridiculous, which is why Bernie will indeed be vulnerable to Trump. And you're seeing some of the ads taken out against Bernie. We'll get to those in just one second. First, let us talk about the bad experiences that you have had. I know you've had bad experiences. The bad experiences that you have had in the past with your auto parts store. So something breaks in your car. And your first move is you got to go to the local auto parts store. There's only one problem. You go to the local auto parts store, they don't have what you're looking for. If they do have, it's a generic part. then doesn't fit your car quite properly. It's not the best part. And it's overpriced. Why not just go to rockauto.com? Use the internet. It makes everything better. Chain stores have different different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers alike. But rockauto.com doesn't even require membership or account login. rockauto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear. Like airlines do, I spend up to twice as much for the same parts. The rockauto.com catalog is unique, remarkably remarkably easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. RockAuto.com is everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. Whether it's for a classic or your daily driver, you get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. RockAuto.com, it's a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Check them out at RockAuto.com. The internet makes everything better. It makes everything cheaper. It makes everything more competitive, including your auto parts. Go to RockAuto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Shapiro in there. How did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. That is RockAuto.com. Again, write Shapiro in there. How did you hear about us box? RockAuto.com. All of this has prompted people on in the rest of the Democratic Party to attack Bernie as being too radical and to attack Bernie supporters. Because remember, back in 2016, there were a lot of accusations that the Bernie bros were toxic, that they were awful online, which they are, and that they are they are radical and insane. So Michael Bloomberg cut an ad against Bernie Sanders, questioning the Bernie bros and their sort of treatment of the various other candidates online and saying, if you think that Bernie is the guy who's going to bring the party together, you're insane. Yelling at all the other uh, candidates from from Bernie supporters. Says, "Are you being harassed by a Bernie bro or a Bernie bot?" The Daily Dot. Bernie's angry bots. New York Times. Is Bernie Sanders's angry army really what Democrats want? Chicago Tribune. It is vitally important
1: for those of us who hold different views to be able to engage in a civil discourse.
0: And says, "Really?" Okay, and this is. Basically correct. I mean, inside the Democratic Party, Bernie's people are known as the most vicious, the least tolerant, the most willing to attack other people, the, the roughest people online. So Bloomberg going after that and saying, listen, if you want a unity candidate, it ain't Bernie Sanders. It's not actually a horrible pitch. It sounds kind of like a weak pitch, but it's inside the Democratic Party. It's not a horrible pitch. Bloomberg, by the way, is bidding for a for a sort of unity candidate vibe. Now, that unity candidate vibe was exacerbated over the weekend by a report that was put out by Drudge and that suggested that bloomberg is actively considering picking up hillary clinton as his running mate now this was made fun of widely there are, there were a lot of people who were saying well that's that's ridiculous why would michael bloomberg link himself with hillary clinton who's off-putting and polarizing and all the rest this is about honestly it's about the smartest thing the bloomberg camp could leak it's smart for two reasons one hillary was the last democrat to unify the party right she did it in 2016 and she won the popular vote and she lost the electoral college but she won the popular vote two there are a lot of Democrats who believe that she was legitimately elected, and who have been fulminating against the Electoral College ever since, and who are fascinated with the idea of Hillary Clinton revenge voting. Right, if Hillary's on the ballot, they get to go vote for Hillary in order to push back against Trump. Also, Trump would then make the entire candidate about Hillary, not about Bloomberg. Right, which which Bloomberg would be fine with because Hillary's the VP candidate. It would be this weird spectacle of the president in one party attacking the VP candidate in the other party, as opposed to the guy at the top of the ticket. So for all the talk about how this is somehow dumb, excuse me, it is not dumb in the slightest. It's actually quite smart. Drudge had, had received the leak. It's an exclusive. Bloomberg considers Hillary running mate. The tweet continued, sources close to Bloomberg campaign tell Drudge Report the candidate is considering Hillary as running mate after their polling found the Bloomberg-Clinton combo would be a formidable force. It's also a smart move because Hillary Clinton is much more likely to lend her support to a candidate early on than is Barack Obama. So one of the big problems for Joe Biden is that Barack Obama has basically been absent. I remember early on in this campaign, Biden said, yeah, I asked Joe, I asked Barack not to get involved because I I wanted to do this on my own. Everybody's like, yeah, sure you did. Sure you did. Well, that was not true. Obviously, Barack Obama didn't get involved because he didn't want to be involved. He He looked down like Rorschach at the city and said, no. Barack Obama was not interested in the slightest in helping Joe Biden. But Hillary has not ruled out running with Bloomberg, which, again, gives a bit of credence to Bloomberg running as a Democrat. There's been a lot of talk about Bloomberg being too much of a Republican, too much of an independent. He's not really a Democrat, which is weird because Bernie isn't really a Democrat either, right? I mean, the guy's still a registered independent in the state of Vermont. But with all of that said, him kind of looking for this unity mantle as Biden appears to be collapsing into dust is fairly smart. Jason Schechter, the campaign's communication director, said, we are focused on the primary in the debate, not VP speculation, which is not a denial. That's not a denial. Now, a, a lot of Republicans were celebrating that. They were suggesting that, that oh, good, let's have Hillary back on here and we can campaign on Hillary. That's not how this works. No one cares about VP candidates except the people who are excited by the VP candidate. Attacking VP candidates is not particularly useful. Okay, in a second, we're going to get to Michael Bloomberg, who, as I say, is jumping in the polls and who is also prepping... To enter the debate stage for the first time this week, we'll get to that momentarily. First, let us talk about how you can save money and you can do it easily and it's for free. I mean, this is a great, great thing. I'm talking, of course, about honey. So I shop online all the time, as you may have noticed. I talk all the time about shopping online, buying things online. Well, what honey does is it browses the web, the interwebs, for all of the promo codes that I could be looking for and searching for and instead just automatically applies them and saves me time and saves me money. Honey is the free online shopping tool that automatically finds the best promo codes and applies them to your cart. It feels great to save using Honey. Saving with Honey feels like sliding onto the seat on a train just before the doors close. I mean, it is just easy and simple. And again, it, it, you just install it on your computer, it runs in the background of your computer, it fills in the promo codes, and it saves you money. What could be better than that? It's easy. Why, why wouldn't you do this exactly? Did you know that Honey supports over 30,000 stores online? That includes Macy's, Target, Sephora, Best Buy, and more. They're adding more. Every single day, I've probably saved at this point, I would imagine, thousands of dollars using Honey. They find you these actual real discounts, and they just automatically apply them anytime you buy something when you install it on your computer, and it just runs, and you don't even think about it, it just saves you cash. It is free to use, it installs in just a few seconds. Get Honey for free at joinhoney.com slash This is like free money, guys. joinhoney.com slash Ben. That is J-O-I-N, honey.com slash Ben, joinhoney.com slash Ben. Okay, so speaking of Bloomberg and all the rest of this, so Bloomberg has now qualified for the upcoming Democratic presidential debate, according to the Associated Press. It marks the first time he will stand alongside the rivals he has so far avoided by bypassing the early voting states and and using his personal fortune to define himself through TV ads. There's a new NPR-PBS Marist poll published Tuesday that shows Bloomberg with 19% support nationally in the Democratic nominating process. It's a dangerous move for him to be on stage because obviously he's going to be the target of all the attacks, but that also makes him the center of attention. And that's not terrible for Bloomberg. Now, what's he going to be hit with? The answer is all the things. He's going to be hit with every single thing. Kevin Sheiky is his campaign manager, says Mike is looking forward to joining the other Democratic candidates on stage, making the case for why he's the best candidate to defeat Trump and unite the country. Now, there are a couple of attacks that he is certainly going to experience, right? You're going to get the Bernie Sanders. Well, he's, look at him. He's a billionaire. He's a billionaire buying his way in here. He's trying to buy the nomination. And Bloomberg's going to say, and in a general election, you're going to be going up against a billionaire. Don't you want somebody who is not beholden to anybody who's going to be able to sign all the checks necessary in order to defeat Donald Trump? Don't you want that? You've complained about Pete Buttigieg raising money from billionaires. And you're right. He's subject to their whims. And Bernie, you know, you talk about how you are going to raise a raise a general amount of money from the population. You really think you're going to be able to rival a guy who's worth a billion dollars and he's just going to be cashing in all of his chips because you're because you're a communist, right? Every person on Wall Street will sign him a check. I'm the only person on the stage who's going to be able to compete with Donald Trump in the spending race. Not a bad pitch. Seriously, not a bad pitch. You know, Michael Bloomberg is worth $63 billion, $63 billion. Also, Joe Biden might say to him, well, what exactly has he ever accomplished? I was vice president. Well, Bloomberg on the campaign trail has been saying about Joe Biden that Joe Biden just read speech. Other people read speeches. Other people wrote for him. Fair and accurate. Okay, about about Pete Buttigieg. We'll be saying we need new blood. Michael Bloomberg isn't really a Democrat. He's going to be saying, you're mayor of a small town. That's literally what he says. He just, he goes on the campaign trail. He says Judge is mayor of a small town. So here's what's happening. People are freaked out by Bloomberg on the left side of the party. And the other quote unquote moderates are afraid that Bloomberg is going to crowd them out. And so they have been dropping every piece of oppo they can find on Michael Bloomberg. You know, some have been, some of these pieces of oppo are, are damaging to Bloomberg. Some of these pieces of oppo are not quite as damaging To Bloomberg. It is telling which ones the Democrats think are damaging and which ones they think are not damaging. So there are a bunch of clips of Bloomberg that are now going around. And again, it is kind of impressive to see how the Democrats rank which ones are damaging to Bloomberg versus which ones are not. So let's take one that I think would be damaging to Bloomberg, but actually nobody seems to be playing with. Okay, so just a couple of years ago, Bloomberg was talking about open borders. Now, normally, this would be like a Bernie home run, right? Bernie would just say, listen, we can't have open borders. We can't have people swamping our borders because I want a socialist America. And in order to have a socialist America, we have to take care of the people who are here. That's actually kind of a Trumpian approach. Bernie has now revised that and he says he wants to get rid of ICE and Border Patrol, according to AOC. But Bloomberg back in 2016 was making the case for open borders. Now, normally this would be a pretty damning indictments in a primary, you would think. But in the Democratic Party, this stuff is considered non-controversial. Then we'll get to the stuff considered controversial. Here's Bloomberg circa 2016.
2: The world is more complex than ever before. It is more dangerous than ever before because of technology and weapons and that sort of thing and free travel and that sort of thing. But the solution to our problems is more open borders, not closed borders. The solution to our problem is to improve education, not to try to penalize people because they are successful. If you don't have successful people, you're never gonna have the wherewithal to support, to help those who are not. We've tried socialism, it doesn't work.
0: Okay, so, so that is Michael Bloomberg, you know, the open border stuff that theoretically would be damaging in the primary. But the Democrats consider that part uncontroversial. We'll get to the parts that they consider controversial in just one second. First, let's talk about some simple facts. You wouldn't leave your front door unlocked. Somebody might rob your house, even though that is unlikely. It could happen. You wouldn't leave your car unlocked because somebody could rob your car. Again, unlikely, but it certainly could happen. You wouldn't leave your bathroom door unlocked when you have small children because they will walk in on you. Okay, that's much more likely to happen. But the fact is, you should be locking up your internet usage because your data belongs to you. Why would you allow somebody else access to it? This is why you need a VPN. I've been using a VPN for years. You should too. The best VPN on the market for my money, ExpressVPN. Did you know that your internet service provider knows every single website you visit? Well, ExpressVPN helps protect your internet activity from those ISPs. What's worse, they can sell that information to ad companies and tech giants who will use that data to target you. ExpressVPN puts a stop to it. It creates a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet, so your online activity cannot be seen by anyone. ExpressVPN works on everything. Phones, laptops, even routers. Everyone who shares your Wi-Fi can still be protected, even if they don't even have ExpressVPN. The best part is, using ExpressVPN, it's as easy as closing the bathroom door or locking your front door. You just install it on your computer, runs in the background, doesn't slow down your internet. It is quick. It is safe. It is easy and it doesn't cost you a lot of money. Go check them out right now at expressvpn.com slash Ben today. Use my exclusive link, expressvpn.com slash Ben, E-X-P-R-E-S-S, vpn.com slash Ben. to get an extra three months for free. That's expressvpn.com slash Ben. Okay, we'll get to more of the oppo dropping on Michael Bloomberg in just one second. First, first. I want to take a moment to thank all of our Daily Wire members, the people who support our message, who read our news, who keep us independent and honest. We love making content that matters. And while we're on the front lines of the culture war, we cannot do it without you. So, if you haven't jumped on the Daily Wire party bus, a reader's pass. It's a great way to dip your toe into the community if you're obsessed with news. A reader's pass will enable you to read our articles ad-free, including my op-eds, which are exclusive for Daily Wire members only. It's a great way to stay in touch with breaking news and in-depth analysis from a conservative perspective. The Reader's Pass is a great value for the money. It really is. And it gets you into a community of like-minded political junkies. You also get access to our mobile app, which has really been taking off since we launched it in September of last year. You can read all of our stories on mobile. Additionally, you can also receive push notifications for breaking news and special content, which is perfect for when you want to stay up to date on the go. The membership tier is already a bargain at 3 bucks a month. Three bucks a month. If you're hesitant, you should check out our special offer right now. We are offering one month of our readers, our readers version for 99 cents. That's mobile, ad-free access to all of Daily Wire News, exclusive op-eds from me, and breaking news and updates on our mobile app, all for the low price of $1. Give it a shot. I think you will be hooked. Otherwise, go get our more expensive membership and you can get access to everything, which is even better. But you can give us a shot right now for like 99 cents and get that reader's access. It really is fantastic. You're listening to the largest, fastest growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. So, Michael Bloomberg, that that clip about him talking open borders, that ain't going to damage him with the Democrats. Let's get to the stuff that will damage him with the Democrats. So, there, there are a few things. One, there are all these old clips that are now popping up of Michael Bloomberg. As a general rule, I don't think that old clips tend to hurt candidates as much as they used to. Because the fact is that Donald Trump got hit with every old clip he had said, and it didn't matter one iota. If people believe they know you, then they are not going to change their mind about you because of an old clip. That's just the way that this works, right? You can uncover everything Bernie ever said. His people will still say they love him. It doesn't matter what you say about him. They're doing the same thing about Bloomberg. Now, Bloomberg may be uniquely susceptible to this in the sense that he has morphed over time, and he seems completely chameleonic in terms of his politics. He will take all of the things that he did 10 years ago, brag about them for eight years, and then in the last two years decide that he's going to throw them under the bus like his stop and frisk stuff. Okay, but some of the clips that are now coming out from him, it, it there's no question that Bernie is emptying the vault. And it's got to be Bernie, right? This is not Biden. This is Bernie who is dumping out the vault on Bloomberg. So let's take clip number one. He was hit with one, two, three, four, five clips that are apparently supposed to be super damaging to him over the weekend. Clip number one, Bloomberg was apparently lamenting job prospects for black and Hispanic youths, and he was talking about why black and Hispanic youths is an interview from, I think, 2011. He was talking about why black and Hispanic youths are having a tough time in the job market.
2: There's this enormous cohort of black and Latino males aged, let's say, 16 to 25 that don't have jobs, don't have any prospects, don't know how to find jobs, don't know uh, that they, what their skill sets are, don't know how to behave in the workplace where but they le, have to work collaboratively I, and collectively. I...
0: OK, so that last line where he says they don't know how to behave in the workplace has been taken as, well, this means that he's being a racist. Well, he didn't say all Latino kids don't know how to behave in the workplace. That's not what he's saying right there. I mean, it's it's amazing that I've now become like the person who tries to contextualize what Bloomberg is saying. But I feel like so many of these oppo hits lately are really out of context. OK, what Bloomberg is saying there, if he were saying all Latino kids don't know how to act in the workplace, that's ridiculous. That would be racist. Okay, That's not what he is saying there. What he is saying is there is a cohort of young people, 16 to 25, who have high rates of unemployment because they don't have the right education, because they don't know how to behave in the workplace and don't make good employees because they don't know that because of lack of education, because they're maybe not fathers in the home. Okay, that seems fairly uncontroversial, but this has become a big talking point today. So that was clip number one, is they're trying to paint Bloomberg as a racist. That's not working particularly well, at least in the polls thus far. Remember, they tried this the other day over his stop and frisk comments where he was talking about stop and frisk in New York City. And I said, I was doubtful that that was going to have a major impact. So that was clip number one. And then there's clip number two. They're going after Bloomberg for saying that cuts to Medicare are a thing that must be a part of deficit reduction. Now, again, I I don't think that this is going to have any significant impact because, frankly, it's perfectly reasonable. Of course, cuts to Medicare and Social Security are going to happen or you're going to have to dramatically escalate taxes within the next five to ten years. What Bloomberg is saying here is not super controversial. And, again, who who exactly is going to get off the Bloomberg train at this point against Bernie Sanders? If this is aimed at old people and saying to old people that Bernie's going to take better care of you than Michael Bloomberg will, old people don't like Bernie. Why? Because they remember communism and it's not great. They remember socialism in the world. It isn't fantastic. So that, that attack isn't going to play. So I don't think that that, that earlier attack is going to play. I don't think this attack is going to play either. Here is, here's Bloomberg talking about deficit reduction.
2: Keep in mind, no program to reduce the deficit is makes any sense whatsoever unless you address the issue of entitlements, Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security, uh, interest payment on the debt
0: which you can't touch, and defense spending. Everything else is tiny compared to that. This is, of course, 100% true. So if they're dumping that out there, Zappa, that's not going to make any difference either. So you've got the attack that he's a racist. That is not playing so much. Then there is the attack that he was once conservative fiscally. That's not going to play so much because everybody with an iota of brains understands this. And also, like, again, you think older Americans feel more sanguine with an actual communist in charge? Not so much. Then there's the attack on Bloomberg because there's a clip of Bloomberg talking about the treatment of cancer when you're 95 years old. And the suggestion is that he wants old people to die. talking with uh, apparently a bunch of uh, Orthodox Jews in this particular clip, here's Bloomberg talking about uh, talking about government based treatment of, of older people.
2: At the rate we're going, healthcare is going to bankrupt us. So not only do we have a problem, it's going to bankrupt us. And we've got to sit here and say which things we're going to do and which things we're not. Nobody wants to do that. You know, if you show up with prostate cancer and you're 95 years old, we should say, go and enjoy, have a nice cream, lead a long life. There's no cure, and you can't do it. If you're a young person, we should do something about it. Society's not willing to do
0: that yet. Okay, Bloomberg is getting hit over this, the suggestion that we should be dumping out resources on somebody who is 95 years old if it's government-run healthcare. Two things. One, in a government-run healthcare system, Bloomberg is exactly right. In a non-government-run healthcare system, if you're 95 and you wish to shell out for prostate cancer, first of all, let me be clear about this. You know how many doctors would recommend prostate surgery for a 95-year-old? The answer is zero. Okay, really, if you're 95 years old and you get prostate cancer, this is, in really, this example is typically used by doctors as a case where you would say that treatment is worse than the is worse than than no treatment right because prostate cancer is typically slow moving it could take 5 to 10 years to kill you you're 95 already so you've passed life expectancy already that means that the chances of you dying on the operating table when you're 95 years old are much higher than the chances of you just spending the next 5 years kind of gradually dying of prostate cancer but being okay for maybe 3 of those 5 years right that is that's like typical medical example. Trying to trot that out as an example of Bernie uh, of Michael Bloomberg being unkind to seniors is kind of ridiculous. But even in the government healthcare context, if you don't li- question for Democrats, if you don't like that answer from Michael Bloomberg, if you don't like that answer, may I ask why the hell you are calling for publicly for publicly run government healthcare? Do you really think there are a lot of government run healthcare systems that are giving prostate surgeries to 95 year olds? Really? Because private systems you could right. I mean, if you're 95 and you want to pay for it and you make that call, you can. But do you really think that a lot of government run healthcare systems are not rationing care for older people on behalf of younger people? This is literally talked about. Ezekiel Emanuel, who's Rahm Emanuel's brother and one of the fathers of Obamacare, he literally wrote a piece in the Atlantic titled Why I Want to Die Before I'm 80. Right. And it it was the whole thing was about this. It was about how once you hit 80, your health starts to deteriorate. Maybe we should just say to people that you've lived a full life. Farewell at 80. Okay, now life expectancy is like 81 for women in the United States. And I know a lot of really healthy old people who are like 80. Thank God, you know, both my grandfathers have passed away, but thank God, both my grandmothers are still alive. One of them is 90 and one of them is 94, 94, I believe. Okay, and good for them. But what Bloomberg's saying there is again, medically uncontroversial, but this is being trotted out as evidence that Bloomberg doesn't like old people or something. Okay, that is a fail as well. Okay, then finally, they get to a clip That they think is super damaging for Bloomberg, both Republicans and Democrats suggesting this is super damaging for Bloomberg because they're saying this is Bloomberg looking down on farmers and industrial workers. So I want to play the entire clip because you're getting sort of the 15 second version where he says that farming is about poking holes in the dirt and putting seeds in them or working a or working a lathe. If you are an industry, if you're an industrial worker, here's the full clip of what Michael Bloomberg is saying, and then we can analyze just how bad it is.
2: We just, more and more, if you think about it, the, ag- the agrarian society lasted 3,000 years and we could teach processes. I could teach anybody, even people in this room, so no offense intended, to, to be a farmer. You, it's a process. You dig a hole, you put a seed in, you put dirt on top, add water, up comes the corn. Then we had 300, you could learn that. Then, then um, you have 300 years of the industrial society. Uh, You put the piece of metal on the lathe, you turn the crank in the direction of the arrow, and you can have a job. And we created a lot of jobs. 1.98% of the world worked in uh, in agriculture today. It's 2% in the United States. Uh, Now comes the information economy. And the information economy is fundamentally different because it's built around replacing people with technology – And the skill sets that you have to learn are how to think and analyze. And that is a whole degree level different. Okay,
0: so people are saying that this is him ripping on farmers and ripping on industrial workers. That is 100% not what he's doing there. Can I just point this out? Like, just to be an honest human being. He is not saying that today's farmers who are working in highly mechanized, in highly regimented industries that today's agricultural workers people who are running farms and figuring out not just the crop cycles but exactly where is the best place to plant what sort of fertilizer has to be used what sort of chemicals have to be used how to fix the machinery how to create supply lines how to ensure that the marketing matches the product right i mean that's very complex that's not what he is talking about he literally makes that statement time bound he literally makes the statement time bound he says for he's talking about the transferability of people in a new age economy and what kind of education is necessary. He's not saying a farmer today can't learn to be somebody who codes tomorrow. What he is saying is that it was easier to integrate people into more rudimentary jobs a thousand years ago than it is to integrate people into more sophisticated jobs today. By the way, I'm sure that if you ask Bloomberg, would it be easy to take a person who is just, you know, a Jewish guy from the from from Brooklyn, right? a guy who grew up in Brooklyn and just make him a farmer tomorrow on a farm? Would that be easy? His answer would be no. That's a sophisticated business, right? It's a sophisticated business. You actually have to sit and you have to learn the business. That's not a thing that's easy, because even agriculture is an information age agriculture. That's what's happening in in modern society now, right? He literally makes it time bound. You people, God, just I, I hate to be the fact checker here, but the fact is, he says for three thousand years, you were either in an agricultural job or you weren't in a job, and those jobs were a lot more rudimentary than the jobs now. Then he says in industrial for for three hundred years, people could get into these sort of rudimentary jobs. You're working at a factory and you worked a lathe and you could get a job. And so getting in or out of the job wasn't all that difficult. Now you have to have years of education in order to educate people for jobs because we live in an information age that applies to industry and agriculture and computers and pharmaceuticals and all the other stuff. People are taking this out of context, Republicans and Democrats, to suggest that he is anti-farmer or something. Maybe an effective attack because taking people out of context is very effective, but how have I become the Bloomberg defender here? It's just wild. The, the, so there, there are two groups of people who are attacking Bloomberg here. Okay, There are the far left who are attacking Bloomberg, the Sandersites, who are attacking Bloomberg dishonestly. And then there's the the right wing attacking Bloomberg, I would say, mostly expeditiously. Right? They're, they're just doing so out of expedience. They're, they're doing so because they think that Bloomberg is more dangerous in a general election than Sanders. Now, let me just make my preferences clear here because I'm upfront about my biases. I would significantly prefer to see Michael Bloomberg as the Democratic nominee than Bernie Sanders. Why? Number one, I don't think Bloomberg is as strong as advertised nationally. I think Bloomberg is a New York billionaire. I think Donald Trump is a New York billionaire. I think Trump has a more visceral connection with people in the Midwest than Michael Bloomberg does. I think that Donald Trump speaks with a more populist tone than Michael Bloomberg. I don't think that Bloomberg is nearly as strong as some people in the Republican Party apparently fear he is. So that's number one. I'm not sure that Bloomberg is all that much stronger than Bernie, but let's even assume that Bloomberg is a stronger candidate in a general election than Bernie. I said earlier in the program that in a general election, I would give 60-40 odds on President Trump beating Mike, uh, beating Bernie Sanders. Let's say that those odds are 55-45 for Trump against Michael Bloomberg. Okay, That he has slightly better odds of beating Sanders than he does of beating Bloomberg. I would still prefer Bloomberg as the Democratic nominee because the downside risk of a Bloomberg presidency is not the same as the downside risk of a Bernie Sanders presidency. It is not. In fact, the downside risk of a Bloomberg candidacy is not the same as the downside risk of a Sanders candidacy. It is not good for America when the Democratic Party is the party of Jeremy Corbyn as opposed to the party as opposed to the party of Tony Blair. It is not good for America when the Democratic Party is the party of Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib as opposed to the party of Diane Feinstein and Scoop Jackson. I, I want a Democratic party that is still bound by the realm of sanity. I would prefer that. So if you're out there actively rooting for a Bernie Sanders candidacy and you're tearing down Michael Bloomberg dishonestly because that's what you're looking for here, and you're a Democrat and you're doing that, first of all, I would suggest you're acting in bad faith. If you're a Republican and you're doing that, I think you're being short-sighted. Because here's the thing. We live in a two-party system. There's no such thing as eternal dominance for one party. The Democrats learned this in 2016, and Republicans learned this all the way back in 2006, I remember after 2004 when George W. Bush won re-election and won additional seats in the House and in the Senate. I remember I wrote a column in 2005 saying, well, maybe Republicans will never lose again. The next year, they got swamped in Congress. America is a pendulum. And just because it swings in the right direction for a little while does not mean it's not going to swing equivalently in the wrong direction the other way. So you should prefer as a a common sense American, you should prefer a Democratic Party that is not in thrall to to an old commie like Bernie Sanders. Nonetheless, you're starting to see the, the Democrats who are not centrists mobilizing around Bernie. Like, again, do you really want this party? It's, it scares the hell out of me. Do you really want a party that is run by Bill de Blasio and Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib and Bernie Sanders? Is that what you want? Here's Bill de Blasio going after Michael Bloomberg, saying Bloomberg is the epitome of the power structure. First of all, I just want to point something out. Whenever you hear communists like Bill de Blasio talk about the quote unquote epitome of the power structure, Michael Bloomberg built a business. He did not grow up worth billions of dollars. He built a business that employs tens of thousands of people. That is not the epitome of the power structure. The epitome of the power structure is being a useless groundhog murderer like Bill de Blasio and then somehow ending up as mayor of New York, where you horribly run the subway system and ensure that trash is back on the streets. That's the epitome of the power structure. Being successful in private industry is not the power structure. Being in charge of a government that can run the lives of tens of millions of people, that's the power structure. Here's Bill de Blasio, however, stumping for Bernie. Michael Bloomberg
2: represents the status quo, and it's important to talk about it. He is using an inordinate amount of money. We've never seen anything like it in the history of the United States. But what it is masking is a lifetime of supporting those in power. He is the epitome of the power structure in this country. And it's important for people to start understanding what he's really about, given that he's spending literally hundreds of millions of dollars to portray only one side of the story.
0: Okay, so you've got the communists in the, in the Democratic Party, the Bill de Blasios, who, again, literally was a communist, and Bernie Sanders, who literally was a communist, against Michael Bloomberg. And then you've got Joe Biden, and Joe Biden is basically just trying to cling to life at this point. He's echoing the same messages, by the way, that Michael Bloomberg is echoing. And his, his messages are correct. He's saying Bernie's a Democratic Socialist. Do we really want that at the top of the Democratic Party? Here's, Bur- here's Biden ripping on Bernie correctly.
1: The voters in the Democratic primary have one overarching desire— to beat Donald Trump and who's most likely to beat him is a former Republican who just turned Democrat most likely to defeat Donald Trump is a is 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 Bernie a Democratic socialist a good guy is he most likely to defeat Donald Trump who's most likely to defeat Donald Trump
0: okay so his rip on Sanders is is correct there's only one problem which is that Biden is pretty much out of it at this point I mean literally he doesn't remember where he is he was in Nevada and said he was in California the other day so that means that Bloomberg is the person most likely to pick up the pieces. Meanwhile, Barack Obama is staying out, right? The only person who can save Barack Obama, who can save Joe Biden is Barack Obama, and it ain't happening. It's not happening at all. But meanwhile, Donald Trump is out there campaigning. And as long as—here's the thing. As long as Donald Trump does not defeat Donald Trump, everything's going to be okay. Trump pissed everybody off over the weekend because he went to the Daytona 500 and was given a hero's welcome. Here he was at the Daytona 500. <laughs>
1: Daytona International Speedway, we love our country and it's truly an honor to be with all of you at the great American race. Gentlemen, start your engines.
0: Yeah, so that look, Trump, he, as long as Trump doesn't defeat Trump, Trump's going to be in good shape against whoever the field in the Democratic Party is. So, you know, let's let's Desperately hope that Trump controls himself because that Democratic Party continues to be a bleep show. Okay, time for a couple of things I like, and then we'll do a couple of things that I hate. So, things that I like today. Over the weekend, again, my wife and I, in preparation for baby number 3 were relaxing with dumb action movies from the 1990s. This one is actually not that dumb. It's not that dumb. Actually, kind of a thing that I found out. I didn't realize that the—so, the movies, Air Force One, it is the best of the 1990s action flicks. Air Force One is fantastic. First of all, Harrison Ford's great. Second of all, Gary Oldman is just a phenomenal actor. Gary Oldman is great in everything. He's chilling in this movie. He really is, as the the Russian terrorist. It really is great. What's amazing about this film, if you watch Air Force One today, the patriotism of the film is almost overwhelming. It really is. Like, we would not make a film like this today in America. To make an openly patriotic film like this would be unbelievable. The film opens with the United States participating in the kidnapping and imprisonment of a foreign leader. With the killing of Qasem Soleimani, basically. I mean, it really opens with US special forces going into Kazakhstan and capturing a communist a communist dictator of Kazakhstan and handing him over to the Russians for imprisonment so that Kazakhstan can become more democratic. And then and then Harrison Ford getting up as president of the US and making a speech at a dinner where he says, No longer are we going to let Pure American realist foreign policy considerations decide what we ought to do. When there's a human rights violation, the United States is going to step in and do something about it. I mean, he sounds like George W. Bush circa 2002. It really is incredible. Right, And he's the hero of the film. He's the hero of the film. The, the amazing sort of ambition that the United States had in the aftermath of the Cold War is on full display in Air Force One. Also, the villain in this movie is Noam Chomsky. So the villain in this movie is a Russian terrorist who wants the reconstitution of the Soviet Union... And who is just reading from Howard Zinn? And he there's one point at which he's accused of being a terrorist because he takes over Air Force One, kills a bunch of civilians, and he says, "You call me a terrorist? Well, you, the president of the United States, you've killed a hundred thousand Iraqis over oil, and you call me the terrorist?" I mean, it's like pure Bernie Sanders. Like, there's not a line that I swear there's not a line that Gary Oldman says as the villain in Air Force One that would not come from a Bernie Sanders rally, except for the whole killing of the hostages thing. Anyway, it's pretty amazing. The film itself. Uh, Thing I didn't know about it. Randy Newman was originally slated to do the score. They didn't like the score, so they went to Jerry Goldsmith, who's one of the great film scorers in film history. He wrote the entire score for Air Force One in 12 days under Time Crunch. Here's a little bit of the preview.
1: Jim isn't
2: making this decision as a president, he's making it as a husband and a father.
1: Let's not forget this president is a Medal of Honor winner. He knows how to fight. He has no right to take chances with his life.
2: Cannot give to their demands. You've got a job to do.
1: It makes me so proud, Mr. President, that you
0: stuck with us. You know your father, he has also killed.
1: You're nothing like my father. We're tracking six MiGs. I'm sending in our F-15s to protect you. She said MiGs? In a war, people die.
0: The President is up there with a gun to his head. I'll do anything to save my family. Don't ask me for something I can't kill. I have a feeling... I'm joking, but only a little. I have a feeling that Bernie watches this and he's rooting for the bad guys. Uh, (laughs) I mean, really, like, Gary Oldman is going to, like, reconstitute the Soviet Union, and he's talking about how evil the United States is and how U.S. interventionism around the world has caused every major crisis. And this movie is so overwhelmingly patriotic. I'm not sure it could get made anymore. Really, because the the perspective that Americans have on America is so jaded and cynical at this point that I think there are a huge number of Americans who watch this movie, and they would be like, are we even allowed to talk about the country this way anymore? Well, you we should watch it because it is it is fascinating to watch, sort of a, almost as as sort of in a coded in amber and preserved for history moment in time what the U.S. thought of itself circa about 1997. Because remember, this is made by liberals in Hollywood in 1997, and then watch that with an eye toward what it is now, and it is a pretty impressive change, a really impressive change. I mean, it, the the change in the Democratic Party since 1996 and now is just insane. I mean, I've lived through it; it's been it's been incredible. Okay, another thing that I like over the weekend. Democrats tried to pass an assault weapons ban in Virginia. Fail, fail. So that, remember that time that it was supposed to be an act of terrorism for the Republicans and for for conservatives all over Virginia to come to Richmond and in full compliance with the law, open carry. It was gonna be the end of the world. Well, now it turns out that even Democrats in the Virginia Assembly weren't willing to go along with their own plan. According to the Washington Post, Democrats who won control of Virginia's legislature on the promise of sweeping gun control lost a battle over assault style weapons on Monday and Governor Ralph Northam a big defeat and giving a rare win to Second Amendment activists in the newly blue capital. A Virginia Senate committee killed a bill that would have banned the sale of assault-style weapons and possession of high-capacity magazines. It had been a top priority for Northam, a former Army doctor who served in Operation Desert Storms and, and often remarks he has seen firsthand what weapons of war do to human beings. Love that editorializing there from the Washington Post. They don't say it had been a top priority for Governor Ralph Northam, also known as Coon Man from his high school days. The bill was part of a package of eight gun control measures. Northam advanced after a shooter killed 12 people at a Virginia Beach municipal building on May 31st. Republicans' refusal to act on those bills last summer became a rallying cry for Democrats in November elections. They flipped the state House and Senate blue for the first time in a generation. Okay, that had very little to do with the, with the gun control proposals the Democrats were pushing. It had a lot more to do with the fact that Republicans just got swamped across the board in November of 2018. The House has passed all eight of Northam's bills, but a handful of Democrats in the less liberal Senate have quashed three of them amid fears that the newly empowered party might overplay its hand. The same tension has been playing out on other fronts, with the Senate taking a more cautious approach on issues like minimum wage, collective bargaining, and state budgeting. Because even the Democrats in Virginia recognize that if they go too radical too fast, it's going to be a disaster for them. So a defeat for Governor Ralph Northam, the people of Virginia get to keep their assault weapons and continue to purchase them. This is a this is a strong move by the pro second amendment lobby in Virginia and a big loss for Governor Ralph Northam. Okay, we would do things I hate but we have run out of time. So, instead, come here later today for two additional hours of content. Otherwise, we'll see you here tomorrow. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is the Ben Shapiro show. The Michael Moles Show and The Matt Walsh Show. Thanks for listening. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Colton Haas, directed by Mike Joyner, Executive Producer Jeremy Boring, Supervising Producer Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Assistant Director Pavel Wydowski. Technical producer Austin Stevens. Playback and Media operated by Nick Sheehan. Associate producer Katie Swinnerton. Edited by Adam Sayevitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Koromina. Hair and makeup is by Nika Geneva. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020.
2: Hey everyone, it's Andrew Clavin, host of the Andrew Claven Show. Leftists are accusing the Department of Justice of corruption because leftists are corrupt and the Obama Department of Justice was a sewer. <laughs> we'll talk about that and corruption elsewhere as far away as China. On the Andrew Claven Show, I'm Andrew Claven. We'll
0: get to more on this in just one second first.